Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, please make us instruments by which your will is done on earth. Consecrate us to your service, O Lord. Grant to us power as you have promised in your word. Grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us, dear Lord, through your word, that we may be sanctified and that we may have life. Put your words, dear Lord, in my mouth, for I have nothing to speak to anyone that will be a blessing to them. Grant me of your spirit, dear Lord, and consecrate me to your service. Help me, Lord, that I will be an instrument by which your children shall be blessed. Thank you, Lord, for hearing. I thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage February 27 Hope for a Fugitive And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Genesis chapter 28 verse 12 Threatened with death by the wrath of Esau, Jacob went out from his father's home a fugitive, but he carried with him the father's blessing. Isaac had renewed to him the covenant promise and had bidden him as its inheritor to seek a wife of his mother's family in Mesopotamia. Yet it was with a deeply troubled heart that Jacob set out on his lonely journey. With only his staff in his hand, he must travel hundreds of miles through a country inhabited by wild, roving tribes. In his remorse and timidity, he sought to avoid men, lest he should be traced by his angry brother. He feared that he had lost forever the blessing that God had proposed to give him, and Satan was at hand to press temptations upon him. The darkness of despair pressed upon his soul, and he hardly dared to pray. But he was so utterly lonely that he felt the need of protection from God as he had never felt it before. With weeping and deep humiliation, he confessed his sin and entreated for some evidence that he was not utterly forsaken. God did not forsake Jacob. His mercy was still extended to his erring, distrustful servant. The Lord compassionately revealed just what Jacob needed, a savior. Wearied with his journey, the wanderer lay down upon the ground with a stone for his pillow. As he slept, he beheld a ladder bright and shining, whose base rested upon the earth while the top reached to heaven. Upon this ladder, angels were ascending and descending. Above it was the Lord of glory. 
Jacob awoke from his sleep in the deep stillness of night. The shining forms of his vision had disappeared. Only the dim outline of the lonely hills, and above them the heavens bright with stars, now met his gaze. But he had a solemn sense that God was with him. An unseen presence filled the solitude. Surely the Lord is in this place, he said, and I knew it not. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Hope for a Fugitive. And we are continuing to look at the story of Jacob and Esau, and this time we are going to be focusing more on the story of Jacob. As we see what happened in the house of Isaac, the deception practiced, the partiality in the home, there's a lot of lessons for us to learn from there. While God was saying, Jacob I love, Isaac was saying, Esau I love, and we could see that it caused a problem in the home. We are supposed to be trying our best to become reflectors of the character of God, to restore ourselves back to the image of God. When Adam was created, he had the mind of God, such that he and God loved the same things. We ought to learn to love what God loves and hate what he hates. While God was saying, Jacob, I love, if Isaac was, was, was reasoning the way God reasons, if he was loving what God loves and hating what God hates, he also would have said, Jacob, I love. It was Rebecca that was in the right mindset on this one. She loved Jacob, not for any fond reason, but for the spiritual nature of Jacob, for the fact that Jacob had the right character. But Isaac loved Esau, for what reason? Simply because Esau was a hunter and used to bring food for him. Now that's a very shallow reason for bestowing your partiality and love upon Esau, knowing very well the kind of things Esau did, who was someone who did he was someone he didn't love who didn't love devotion, didn't love godly things, and was a wild roving person, married two wives from Canaan. All these things were very terrible acts of Esau. And yet all this did not make Isaac to understand that his petting, indulgent partiality and love for Esau was misplaced. But as things happened, it led to a problem. If Isaac had not had this error, this flaw in his own life, it would have prevented what Rebecca and, and uh, Jacob did not to excuse them. They are not excused by any means because they cannot say because of Isaac's error, they also are excused. But at the same time, thank God that he got corrected in his error. With the trouble brewing in the home, Esau threatening that he was going to, going to kill Jacob once Isaac is done. This made Isaac to get his mind clear and understand that truly he needs to go in the right path and give the blessing to Jacob. The former blessing he gave was not necessarily the blessing that gives one the inheritance of uh, being the progenitor of the Savior because that's what this blessing was about. 
the spiritual blessing that Jacob wanted is that he wanted to be the one through whom the Savior will come in the future. Esau cared not for that. All Esau wanted was a double portion of Isaac's wealth. That was what he was looking for. As for being the one who was going to be the progenitor of the Messiah, Esau cared not for that, not even a bit. But that was what Jacob coveted. That was what he wanted, which he would have gotten nonetheless. There was no need for him to deceive. Now, in the book of Genesis 28, with the trouble brewing in the home and Esau threatening to kill Jacob once Isaac is dead, he then called uh, Jacob to give him that particular blessing that Jacob was really looking for. And by the way, like we've said earlier, whether he says it or not, the Lord has already said it and Jacob was always going to get it because of his character, not because of any other thing because he kept the commandments of God. He was having the right mindset. Even though he wasn't perfect, Jacob loved to be the one who would do the things of God. He, he coveted that thing and the Lord loved him for that because he saw the value of the blessing which Esau did not see and God loved him for that. So in Genesis 28, reading from verse 1, it says, And Isaac called Jacob, and blessed him. Now, this is a different blessing from the previous one. Jacob didn't need to do what he did. And he blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Do you see how important the wife that you marry is with respect to receiving the blessing of the Lord? This issue of the wife people marry is a determinant. It shows clearly it's a very clear index of what your life is going to be. It was an index for the life of the antediluvians. It was an index for uh, Ishmael. It was an index for Lot. Abraham knew it. He knew that if Isaac marries the wrong person, forget about all the blessings that they're talking about. He was going to be lost. And so they knew it that once Esau married those two women from Canaan, there was always going to be trouble. And then Isaac charged Jacob, don't take a wife from Canaan. And how about you? Do you see the importance of marrying the right wife? We did some devotions last week titled Choosing a Wife and a Happy Marriage to do you well to probably listen to that to understand what is needed in this particular direction of marriage. And verse 2 of Genesis 28 says, is Isaac told Jacob, Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham, to thee and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padan Aram unto Laban, son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Verse 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted up upon a place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place 
and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and set it upon, up for a pillar, and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. Here we see Jacob's experience when leaving his home. We see that sin is a terrible thing. Jacob had sinned, he had done wrong, and there was trouble brewing in the home. His, his father Isaac had to send him away. Remember when Abraham sent his servant on this same journey to Bethuel. He went with ten camels, he went with lots of gold and silver and many other um, gifts, and he didn't go like Jacob. Jacob now is going like a wanderer a fugitive, just a staff in his hand. How many properties? He had nothing going with him, unlike Eleazar, the servant of Abraham. This is the, the, the consequence of, of the sin that he committed. Now he had to go in stealth, because if he went with camels and, and uh, wealth like that, Abraham, uh, Isaac couldn't give him that, because Esau would have looked for him and will find him. And he was afraid of that. He went alone, went with the staff and almost nothing with him. And this is a warning for us. We should do right. And he was moving in fear, like indeed a fugitive, an outcast. He felt like he was exiled from his home. And that is the truth because he couldn't stay in the home. His mom told him, you cannot stay here. Why? Because... We don't know what is going to happen. The wrath of your brother may lead to your death. And he too, being afraid of his brother, not willing to enter into any battle with his brother, of course, he had to run away from his home. Imagine yourself like that. There's no way Jacob won't break down in tears for what he had done. There's just no way. Someone who was supposed to be in his father's house, who was supposed to be comfortable now here he is walking lonely in the deserts not even a camel to ride upon not even a horse to ride nothing of that sort walking with his feet from his father's house to bet to betwell whereas even his father's servants would not even go like this he who was a son is moving on his two legs without a camel and being afraid 
What do we do when we find ourselves in such situations? Because we also, because of our sins, sometimes we are walking on our feet. We are doing things we should not be doing. We are in trouble because of the sin we have committed. At such times we feel lonely, we feel forsaken of God, we feel exiled from Him. We feel as though our sins have separated us from God. We learn something from the life of Jacob that we can do. Jacob feeling so lonely, knowing that he had sinned against God, being afraid to come to the presence of God, he saw that he had no choice. Even though he was afraid, there was no one he could go to at this moment. Being lonely, he exercised the faith. Though the devil pressed upon him his sins, making him feel like the Lord had rejected him and that what he did had even put him in a position where the blessing he was seeking for, he couldn't get it. Because now he's thinking, how can I get this blessing of Abraham when I have just sinned against God? My sins are ever before me. Will the Lord still recognize me? Will the Lord still do for me what I want him to do? knowing very well that I have disregarded him, slighted him, sinned against him. And we also have such thoughts in our mind. Perhaps you also have sinned against the Lord in one way or the other, and you are also bearing such thoughts in your mind. Will the Lord forgive me? Look at what I have done. My brothers and sisters, you have no other choice than to go to the Lord. There is nothing else you can do. What do you want to do if you run away from him? How is that going to help you? You have to come to the Lord in your sins. Here is where many make a mistake. It is very possible that the feeling of guilt can fade away after some time. Be very careful not to allow that to happen before you pray because your prayers now will not be prayers of faith. They would rather be prayers of self-justification. When should we go to the Lord? Should we wait a while after the effect and the guilt of the sin has subsided? Or do we go to the Lord just then when we have sinned against him? What we are to do is what Jacob did. That same day, in the night, Jacob had to pray to the Lord and confess his sin and ask the Lord for forgiveness. And the Lord heard him. Not only did the Lord hear him, and this is the goodness and grace of the Lord, the same blessing that he pronounced on Abraham when he called Abraham, the same blessing that he pronounced on Isaac when he called Isaac, this sinner, this fugitive Jacob received that same blessing. Amen. And one will wonder, here is somebody who sinned and the Lord is coming to bless him. Is it because he sinned? No. Blessed is the man that covereth not his sins and his transgressions. That is what the Bible says. So the Lord came with a blessing for Jacob because he did not cover his sins. He confessed them. The Bible has pronounced a blessing on you if you will, cover, if you will not cover your sins, but if you will confess them. And the Lord blessed Jacob. His life was not free from, from faults, but the Lord loved this man Jacob though he had defects in character but he knew jacob's heart he understood why jacob did what he did not excusing him and removing the consequences of his sin which was already he was already passing through but for the fact that he had to walk from his father's house to bethuel that, that was already he was already suffering feeling the consequences of his sin but the lord is merciful here as Jacob was passing through this suffering, the Lord had mercy on him. The Lord had pity on him. 
and came to him in a dream and gave him the most marvelous vision that anyone who sees will know that the Lord is with him. This sinner Jacob got this vision and it was a confirmation that the Lord had not rejected him. But if Jacob had not confessed his sin, that would not have happened. The lesson for us is the same. Confess your sin. Do not wait for your guilt to go away for some time. Some of us, what do we do? When we sin, they call us to handle programs in church and we'll say, "Mm, no, 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 thank you very much. I can't do it. And then you say, give it to someone else. You are feeling like you are unworthy to handle the program. Well, it's a good feeling. But brothers and sisters, will you not confess your sins and believe that you are forgiven? If you confess your sins and believe that you are forgiven, then why are you acting like someone who doesn't receive the forgiveness of God, who hasn't received the forgiveness of God? That act of pushing away some things from yourself, that means you think that you can get your righteousness somewhere and after getting that righteousness then you can come to god with your righteousness and plead your righteousness to him don't do that that is self-justification come to god in your sins and confess that sin and receive the blessings of god not because you are worthy because you have stayed for a week or for some time and that the effect of the guilt has gone away from you then you now come to god with that feeling that if you are now righteous i can now approach god because i'm no longer feeling guilty you are making things worse for yourself the lord will even be offended with you and despise you for doing that you are to come to him right then when you sin and confess your sin i'm reading now from ye shall receive power page 61 it says but how many do not pray they feel under condemnation for sin and they think they must not come to god until they have done something to merit his favor or until god has forgotten about their transgressions they say i cannot hold up holy hands before god without wrath or doubting and therefore i cannot come so they remain away from christ and are committing sin all the time in so doing for without him you can do nothing but evil just as soon as you commit sin you should flee to the throne of grace and tell jesus all about it you should be filled with sorrow for sin because through sin you have weakened your own spirituality grieved the heavenly angels and wounded and bruised the loving heart of your redeemer when you have asked jesus in contrition of soul for his forgiveness believe that he has forgiven you do not doubt his divine mercy or refuse the comfort of his infinite love and when are you to believe right there when you're on your knees praying that is when you are to believe not some days later not some weeks later not some months months later not after you finish praying right there when you finish when you are praying when you confess the sin right there you are to believe that you are forgiven continuing the reading it says if your child had disobeyed you and committed wrong against you and that child should come with a breaking heart to ask forgiveness you know what you would do you know how quickly you would draw your child to your heart and assure him that your love was unchanged and his transgressions forgiven are you more merciful than your merciful heavenly father who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life john 3:16 you should go to god as children go to their parents end of quote 
I think that makes it clear to us what we are to do. Go to God, confess your sins, don't wait for some time. As Jacob did that, what did he get? He got a blessing. If you do that, you will also get the blessing of the Lord. But like I said, if you wait, all the time you are waiting, you are sinning against God. Because you are, you are actually waiting to feel good about yourself before going on your knees to pray. We struggle with this a lot. So, you, you know you've just, you've just done something you shouldn't do. Perhaps somebody commits adultery. you lost in your heart. You tell a lie. You do something. Generally, in the word of God, you know you shouldn't be doing this. And then you are, you are filled with guilt. Many do not pray. How many? We don't pray. We wait for some time. And then when it's time to pray, maybe you are in a group and somebody says, Oh, brother, you pray. And you begin to argue. No, no, it's not me that will pray. Give it to this other person. I can't pray. I can't pray. Why can't you pray? Is it not because you have not come to God to confess that sin? If you go to God and confess your sins, the heavy weight of the guilt will leave you. But all the time you are running away from God, shifting the responsibility of prayer and Bible study and other religious duties to other people because you are in your mind thinking it's a righteous thing to do, not to accept it. In your mind thinking, I am not worthy. When will you ever be worthy? That time you are feeling you are worthy and you accept it, that is even when you are sinning again because you are thinking that you have a righteousness of your own to present to God accepting religious responsibilities because you think that you are actually worthy to do them. Who told you you are worthy? Your only worthiness is in Christ. If you stay away from Christ thinking, oh, I am not worthy, let me feel good about myself after I have kept God's commandments for some days and now know that, okay, ah, it's been long I committed sin. Hmm, I feel good about myself now. Give me, I will do the Bible study. Give me, I will officiate. Yes, I can pray now because I feel like uh, I have not sinned in a while. And you are feeling good about yourself. You are feeling, that is the self-righteousness I'm talking about. Now you are coming to God with your righteousness and in that righteousness so-called because it is not actually righteousness you are thinking that it is that which qualifies you to handle the bible study it's that which qualifies you to officiate it is that which qualifies you to pray your your because you have stayed for some days without sinning but how about the sin you committed have you confessed them it is not your long abstinence so-called because in your mind three days is long or one week or however how many days you choose in your mind is long but it's not actually days the, the issue is that you have forgotten the sin the guilt has left you you have stopped feeling it but the sin still remains and if you don't confess it it's still a problem we need to learn this lesson just as soon as we sin confess your sins and do not run away from god having confessed believe that you are forgiven should jacob have rejected the blessing of the lord and say oh lord i'm not worthy i'm not going to accept the blessing of being the progenitor god said to him that the blessing he was giving to abraham he was going to give to him god said in genesis 28 reading from verse 14 telling him or let me say from verse 13 i am the lord god of abraham thy father and the god of isaac the land whereon thou liest to thee will i give it and to thy seed why is it because of any good thing jacob had just done had jacob waited for some days before god gave him this blessing no it is because jacob confessed his sin and wept that is why the lord blessed him learn this lesson it's an important lesson that we come to god in confession of our sins right when we sin 
don't wait any moment don't wait for days don't wait for the feeling of guilt to go away for some time and when the lord gives you the blessing if he's calling you to pray if he's calling you to officiate to have the bible study the only reason you reject it is because you are not confessing your sin or if you confessed it you are doubting that you are forgiven we need not doubt two things confess that sin just as soon as you sin confess it and also just while you are confessing that sin as soon as you have done that believe that you are forgiven then when the lord is giving you a responsibility or a blessing don't reject it that your rejection shows that you are doubting whether god has forgiven you or not and you are not depending on god's forgiveness but rather you are depending on your abstinence from sin for some days to accept responsibilities from god that means you are thinking you are worthy i i hope we are getting the lesson there are two different things it is a different thing to accept responsibility and accept god's blessings because solely he gave it to you and you believe you are forgiven and it's also a different thing to accept the blessings and responsibility because we think we are worthy when you have stayed a while away from sin and then you say oh now i can preach now i can give the bible study now i can officiate now i can pray you are actually thinking that you are worthy you are presenting your righteousness before god as your qualification for doing those things which is very wrong which is sin itself because you are presenting your righteousness before god but when you simply pray and confess and after confession of sin believe you are forgiven and accept the blessing of god not because you have performed a right act for some days not because you have kept away from sin for some months but because you are depending on the forgiving power of god alone you are depending on christ alone justification by faith alone and you are depending on that alone you accept the blessing of god that is what god is looking for jesus appeared to jacob in that vision and that was what he needed he needed a savior and our merciful god gave him a savior if we confess our sins the savior will also come to us we need not see a ladder in vision like a jacob but in faith we can see that ladder we have something even better than the vision of jacob of a ladder of angels ascending and descending that angel we have something even better than that what do we have that jacob did not have we have the knowledge that jesus came to this earth and died on the cross of calvary for our sin nothing is better or greater evidence that god loves us there is no better evidence that we are forgiven of our sins and accepted in the beloved than the death of jesus on the cross of calvary you have that for yourself jacob only had the mere vision mere dream and he rejoiced in that dream saying oh surely the lord is in this place and i knew it not i will call this place the house of god do not think you need to see that dream or that vision before you rejoice in the lord you have reality you don't have dream or vision you have real stuff here the death of jesus on the cross and that is what we all need when we sin against god we need a savior and we do have a savior thank god we have a savior from our sins and we are to take advantage of our savior we are to take advantage of the knowledge that God who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all shall he not with him also freely give us all things we have the advantage of the knowledge that Jesus loves us 
and the death on it on the cross of Calvary is the evidence of the love of Jesus. Do you feel rejected? Do you feel like a fugitive like Jacob because of your sins? And they look so bad in your eyes and the devil is pressing it hard upon you, making you feel rejected, separated from God like an exile, like a fugitive, unworthy of any blessing of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, calm down, pray and confess your sin. Believe. The Lord is saying to you, if you confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Don't doubt. Believe it. And why should you believe it? He sent his son to die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. Why will you doubt his love? Having done that, there is no greater evidence of God's love than the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. There is nothing more he can do to show you he loves you. Don't let the devil cloud your mind into thinking that God doesn't love you. Stretch forth the hand of faith and claim the promise of the word of God written in 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous and he is the propitiation for our sin and not for us only but for the whole world also. Do you believe it? Then if you believe it, let it show in your actions. Having confessed your sin, rejoice in the Lord knowing that for you, you have more than a ladder and angels are sending and descending of that, on that ladder. You have the knowledge and the reality that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Share this with others. Many are perishing in guilt. Many are dying in their own minds, depressed, losing their lives. Their, lives is, their life is sapping away because of guilt and depression and sadness because they don't know they have a savior. What do you need in such situations? We need a savior. People have done things that are terrible some have killed some have gone into abortion and many ladies who have done that in their minds are so troubled thinking haunted by the knowledge of what they have done people have done things that in their minds are abominable since all of them are terrible in the eyes of god but if you look at the eyes from the eyes of god from his perspective uh, some of the things that we do that are abominable, sometimes we don't even feel the way we are supposed to feel about it but it is okay to feel that guilt but if that guilt leads us to a savior. Without feeling the guilt, you will not see your need for a savior. But don't stop in depression and guilt. Get the savior. For those of us who know people who are experiencing that, present to them just what they need. The savior. The death of Jesus is enough. God loves us. And he doesn't reject anyone. Regardless of how deep and terrible your sins have been, if you confess, there is no sin that cannot be forgiven. If we confess our sins, the Lord is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It is left with us to exercise the faith necessary to believe that we are forgiven of our sins. Don't feel exiled from the Lord. The Lord has not rejected you. Men may reject you, but the Lord has not rejected you. Men may despise you, but the Lord does not despise you. He wants you to come to Him. Come to Him, therefore. Confess your sins and receive the blessing and the joy of forgiveness. May the Lord give us the grace that these truths may be so impressed in our hearts that we may take advantage of it 
and also bless others with this same message. Reading Our Father Cares, page 153. I am glad indeed that our feelings are no evidence that we are not children of God. The enemy will tempt you to think that you have done things that have separated you from God and that he no longer loves you, but our Lord still loves us. Look away from yourself to the perfection of Christ. We cannot manufacture a righteousness for ourselves. Christ has in his hands the pure robes of righteousness, and he will put them upon us. He will speak sweet words of forgiveness and promise. He presents to our thirsty souls fountains of living water whereby we may be refreshed. He bids us come unto him with all our burdens, all our griefs, and he says, We shall find rest. Jesus sees the guilt of the past and speaks pardon. And must we dishonor him by doubting his love? This feeling of guiltiness must be laid at the foot of the cross of Calvary. The sense of sinfulness has poisoned the springs of life and of true happiness. Now Jesus says, Lay it all on me. I will take your sins. I will give you peace. Banish no longer your self-respect. For I have bought you with the price of my own blood. You are mine. Your weakened will I will strengthen. Your remorse for sin I will remove. Then turn your grateful heart, trembling with uncertainty to him, and lay hold on the hope set before you. God accepts your broken contrite heart and extends to you the free pardon. He offers to adopt you into his family with his grace to help your weakness and the dear Saviour will lead you on step by step, you placing your hand in his and letting him guide you. Search for the promises, precious promises of God. If Satan thrusts threatenings before your mind, turn from them and cling to the promises and let your soul be comforted by their brightness. The cloud is dark in itself, but when filled with the light, it is turned to the brightness of gold, for the glory of God is upon it. End of quote. Also, I would like to share again from the same book, Our Father Cares, page 152. It says, The Lord God through Christ holds out his hand all the day long in invitations to the needy. He will receive all. He welcomes all. He rejects none. It is his glory to pardon the chief of sinners. He will take the prey from the mighty. He will deliver the captive. He will pluck the brand from the burning. He will lower the golden chain of his mercy to the greatest depths of human wretchedness and guilt and lift up the debased soul contaminated with sin. But man must will to come and cooperate in the work of saving his soul by availing himself of opportunities given him of God. The Lord forces no one. The spotless wedding robe of Christ's righteousness is prepared to clothe the sinner, but if he refuses, he must perish. The record of the past can be blotted out with Christ's blood, the page made clean and white. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1 verse 18, end of quote. The Lord is trying to give us hope here. What is your sin? Is what he's saying. No matter how deep, no matter how ugly, no matter how terrible it is, God is saying, I will forgive. But will you believe? 
Will you believe? Will you allow the sense of guilt to keep you away from God? Or will you believe when he says, come, I will forgive? Let us believe. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for your great love and mercy shown towards the chief of sinners like ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for not rejecting us. Thank you, Lord, for making provision by which our guilt and remorse for sin may be taken away and we may rejoice in you. Thank you, Father, that you have pronounced a blessing on all those who do not cover their sins and who would confess them. O Lord, we are grateful to you for your goodness towards us. Great is your faithfulness towards us, O Lord. Lord, we come to you today. And for some of us, our great need is to have faith in you. We read your word, but we doubt. Our sins are ever before us. We do not see how we may be forgiven. Some of us feel like our sins are greater than the mercy of God. Please, we pray that your spirit will talk to such a one that they may exercise the faith necessary, that we may see the love of God expressed in the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and know that the Lord loves us and is willing to forgive us our sins. Therefore, Lord, please, we pray, forgive us our sins. Everyone listening now, and even myself, our sins are different, but we know through your word that regardless of the sin, no matter what it is, whether it is uh, like scarlet, you have promised us that it will be as white as snow. Thank you, Lord, for we believe that we are forgiven when we confess our sins. Lord, therefore, we pray, grant us the blessings that are expressed in your word for those who confess. Bring to our minds areas where we have gone wrong and help us to exercise the faith necessary to receive that forgiveness and rejoice in it. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Increase our faith, dear Lord. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. <music>